So, um, another caveat about this. Another caveat about this process here in the 16 stages. There's a logic, both the psychological kind of process logic path to, to go through this, to go through this in a linear way, kind of. And it's also kind of intellectual logic. But um, in practice, I think that some people will go through this more or less, recognize going through this kind of systematically. Some people will learn about this later, after they meditated for many years, and they say, oh, I kind of went through something like this, in broad, broad kind of brushstroke kind of ways. And then there are some people, maybe most people, for whom um, they don't recognize themselves in this. Um, maybe because they go through some of this stuff, but it's all out of sequence. Maybe they go backwards. <laughs> or maybe they jump around, or you know, suddenly they fall into something. So... Don't feel, don't, don't, don't burden yourself with the idea that it has to look like these 16 stages, this, this sequence. Um, uh, it's, um, I think it's, I believe it's helpful just to know about these steps and these sequences. And then if you fall into one of these phases of practice, you have some familiarity, you know a little bit of what to do, what's going on. Um, and so, but it doesn't have to be, you know, one follow the other. You don't have to, if you're in one, it isn't like you have to kind of try to ma- manipulate yourself into the next one as if it's going to be a linear process, always. So just be relaxed about all this. And um, so this uh, fifth uh, step, experiencing joy, there are, uh, I, I said earlier that I made earlier references to the first jhana, the first absorption. And um, the first two jhanas are characterized by joy. And, um, and so I want to read a little bit more the uh, Buddha's uh, description of um, the first jhana because he has a simile for the first jhana which I think is very um, kind of suggestive or evocative. So the description itself is um, uh, secluded from sensual desires and unskillful states a person falls into and abides in the joy and happiness born of seclusion of the first jhana, which is accompanied by thought and consideration, by applied thought, applied attention and sustained attention. The person fills, pervades, saturates and permeates this body with the joy and happiness born of seclusion, so nothing of his entire body is not touched with it. It is just as if an able bath attendant or a bath attendant's apprentice had poured bath powder in a metal dish, having sprinkled it with water, were to knead it, moistened, thoroughly moistened inside and out, this bath ball would be saturated with moisture without any oozing out. So this first jhana is likened to taking this powder. Maybe you can, for us, we can say, like you take flour and you put water in the flour to make dough. And you kind of knead the water into the flour um, so it's completely the, the, the dough. There's no dry flour left in the dough, just all completely uh, moist. But it's not so moist that it's dripping out. Just kind of well moistened dough. And uh, in order to get it to all moistened, you have to kind of knead it or stir it and stir it or knead it and knead it and knead it until you get it completely saturated. So there's a process of applying oneself, engaging in, in, the, in the process. This massaging goes on to get the uh, saturation to happen. So the same thing with this uh, first jhana. Uh, it's kind of there's, there's there's some work entailed in the first jhana. You're applying yourself. You're engaged. You're massaging. 
you're kind of applying the attention, you're sustaining the attention, you're working, working, working with what's going on, working with the breath, working with the joy or the pity, whatever, working with the presence, and you're kind of still kind of, kind of engaging. It requires something of you, some effort. And if you don't make any effort at all, then you, your mind will still wander away, but you're kind of there, kind of engaged, present, kind of doing it. So that's the analogy for the first jhana. <clears throat> now this is the second jhana description. With the stilling of thought and consideration, with th- whatever this thought and consideration uh, is, with the stilling of applied attention, sustained attention, with the stilling of this, the person falls into abides in the joy and happiness born of concentration. So remember, the first one was, uh, was uh, joy and happiness born of seclusion, the relief and delight of not being caught anymore. Now we're talking about a different kind of joy and happiness that's born from concentration itself. Of the second jhana, which is accompanied with serene confidence and unification of mind and is without thought and consideration, the person fills, pervades, saturates, and permeates this body with the joy and happiness born of concentration so no part of his entire body is not touched. So the primary thing that happens here is that first, there's a different kind of joy and happiness that arises. And this is clearly associated with concentration itself. So it's not a, not a result, happiness that results because finally, you know, I'm relieved of all this other way of distractions. Now, because the mind is really focused, you're absorbed. Like you're reading a really good book. It's pleasant. It's enjoyable to read this really good book in its own right. You're kind of lost in it. And, and you know, just kind of just aside from how good the book is, it's just the sense of absorption being involved. It feels so good. I remember um, I used to love taking exams, written exams in college, uh, because I would prepare a lot. And so when I showed up, at least for those, that day, you know, that's 24 hours I had and a lot of stuff memorized. And so I was prepared and I would just kind of get into this zone, concentr- really concentrated, doing my exam you know, as much as I could. And I'd come out of the classroom and I'd be so high. I felt like I was just cleansed. I was emptied, just completely empty. And I felt so light and so happy. And you know, I'd look in the trees and it was just like so great. And uh, I wasn't stoned. And I was just, you know, it was just, it was just kind of this, 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 this purity, this cleansiness, this kind of, kind of all the extra stuff, it's, you know, falls away. You know, it's like all this superficial stuff falls away. All the uninteresting, all the drama of our life falls away. And, and so I'm just really concentrated. And it's just a joy that comes from concentration. And um, so if you can get yourself really absorbed in almost anything, there comes joy, comes delight. And, um, and, when, you, and when you're not distracted by all kinds of other things, just give that time. So now, now we have a joy that's come from concentration. And this is usually understood to be a stronger joy than the joy of the first jhana. So usually after the second absorption, when the nature of the joy switches to that coming from concentration, it tends to be much stronger. So this is where more likely you're going to have the kind of pity kind of experiences, kind of energetic experiences that some people have. Not everyone. Um, and it's accompanied with serene confidence, with confidence. And so there's a sense of confidence, a kind of, kind of surety, kind of assurance. Kind of, you're really here and there's kind of maybe inner strength, inner stability, inner confidence, 
Like you really feel like you're here and you're stabilized here and you have the ability to stay here. So confidence is what's called here. And unification of mind. So the mind, the, all the different factors, all the different functions of the mind are united to connect it to the same purpose and same direction. Rather than the mind being scattered and all kinds of different concerns, everything having to do with the mind is unified and collected around this object of concentration. It's a real sense of unity, of, of, of connect, collectedness. Um, and it is without the work of, here we call it thought and consideration, thinking and considering what you're focusing on, or, or um, applying the attention on, you, on the breath and then sustaining it there. So the work of sustaining the attention is no longer there. So there's no effort needing to be made to stay concentrated. Concentration becomes effortless. You're just there. The mind's like, you know, you decide it's going to be there, the mind just stays. The mind doesn't wander off for you. There's no work required. Make sense? So it's just, so the sense of effort or application of you applying yourself, you directing yourself, uh, is no longer needed because the mind is so locked in or so absorbed in what it's doing that you don't have to make any effort to try to stay there. It's almost like it's automatic. And then the person pervades, saturates, and permeates this body with a joint happiness born of composure, of concentration. So again, this idea of spreading it throughout the body, the importance of having it really being, being um, throughout the body. Now, there are some people who teach concentration practice who kind of emphasize the body kind of disappears right away. There's no experience of the body. It seems to hear that here they really emphasize, the Buddha emphasized, that in these early jhanas, first jhanas, this is a really strongly embodied experience. And um, I, I, I have a lot of confidence in this kind of experience because it's a very, to include the whole body in this kind of strong feelings of peace and joy is very purifying uh, because it really, you kind of work through all the stuff in your body and it cleanses, it cleans, it kind of purifies, it empties, it relaxes the body in a very thorough way. Um, and I think that in that way it's much more integrated. It's an integrated spiritual, spiritual path because it includes the body and since so much is included, so, so, there's so much psychology in the body. This uh, kind of kind of makes sure that you're, you're not uh, 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 you don't have blinders on, and you do the practice. So then there's an analogy for this kind of joy. This this second jhana. It is like it is just like a lake, which has water welling up from its depths but which has no water sources from the east, south, west, or north, and where the skies did not even occasionally shower rain. So here we have a lake that is, um, that is again, is, is, uh, is a spring inside the, underneath the lake that's welling up with water, and there's no rivers flowing water into the lake, and there's no rain bringing water into the lake. So the only water coming into the lake is this underground spring coming up inside. The cool upwelling body of water. Now, cool. Remember, this is ancient. This is India, which is really hot. So, cool is refreshing. If uh, we're in, uh, you know, cold, wet England, where English was, you know, created, maybe cool has different connotations, you know. There, being warm-hearted is really nice. They talk about how the person is so warm-hearted. Whereas in India, maybe they talk more about being cool-hearted, and that's really good because 
being hot is just too much. You understand? So anyway, it's a cultural, it's kind of, you know, has to do with situation. So cool is like refreshing. It's great. The cool, upwelling body of water would fill, pervade, saturate, and permeate the lake with cool water so that no part of the entire lake would not be touched with cool water. So here, you're not massaging something, but rather there's, a, there's it's, it's energetic. There's a flow to it. This flow of, of uh, cool water going through the lake. You feel the movement and the flow. But um, but it's refreshing. It's cool. It's satisfying. It's joyful. It's, you know. So so you're sitting here and you feel the second jhana, and there's a f- upwelling feeling of kind of a, a kind of energetic joy or delight or satisfaction or something that moves through you, and it has a sense of energy to it, a flow to it a little bit more. Um, and this is, uh, becomes clearer when you compare it to the third jhana, where there's, where there's really a much more feeling of stillness as opposed to this energetic quality. And um, so you're not applying, you're not, you're not eff- making effort anymore, but something's moving through you uh, with uh, a lot of joy and a lot of happiness. So what do you think of all this? Does, do you have any questions or comments? Does it seem strange to hear this? This time I actually have a question. Um, I do feel this flow of energy and this um, makes me happy, but I feel it after the um, meditation. Um, like, not really a rush, like you said, after the exams, but it's a very subtle flow. It's really nice. But then right after, um, I mean, I have not been aware of feeling this within the meditation, meditation just after, but right after that, this um, chaos starts again. I Just when you said, well, then acknowledge it or just accept it, I realized that before this chaos, there's always this joy or this flow of energy. And then right after, there's this again. And then I settle down. Oh, so there's chaos before, going into it. There's a lot of different things. Earlier you said a lot of different kind of pleasant and unpleasant things are rising and passing. Right, and right before that, I I just realized that um, there's actually a lot of energy and joy. And I I don't really know how they're connected, but being aware of that there's this energy or joy or whatever moving into something, this chaos comes up. It's like, <laughs> settle down. And, um, I don't know. It's, is that okay to feel... I know it's a weird question, but is that okay to... Um, I think I just resolved it. Thank you. What? I, <laughs> you answered it yourself? I can't miss something. You answered the, yourself? The question itself just resolved. It's oh, good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> no, it's great. I like being I like being superfluous. <laughs> That's the whole point. I mean good, good. No, you don't have to apologize. You know I'm in job I'm in a job where I'm supposed to make myself superfluous, right? That's the whole point. So you're helping. So someone else? <clears throat>
So the idea, I like the word absorption because uh, I think you can find, um, hopefully everyone has had some experience in their life of being really absorbed in some activity and feeling a sense of well-being from that absorption. Whether it's reading a good book or being pulled into a, maybe even a good movie at times, perhaps. A hobby, playing a musical instrument, doing some craft. Um, sometimes it can happen with a really good conversation. Sometimes, you know, a variety of things can do it. Um, and so you, you kind of felt, kind of, kind of you, you entered into it, you got absorbed in it. And everything else, all other concerns, past and future, um, things beyond that kind of dropped away, you know, from interest or, or, or even attention. You know, someone has trouble, hey, hey, you, you hardly notice because you're so, you're absorbed and it feels so good. So, um, that, that, um, that, uh, that sense of being so absorbed in something is possible in meditation. And having that as kind of a reference point might be helpful for some of you to realize that what you're trying to do is not to be at a distance, not to judge and evaluate and, you know, wonder and try this and that. There's an idea of kind of entering into that world completely. And uh, getting, uh, you know, entering into it, uh, being absorbed in it, allowing yourself to be absorbed, fully, so fully engaged that uh, you're not thinking about what to have for dinner, you're not thinking about what happened to you yesterday, you're not thinking about what's happening tomorrow, you're not thinking about some wonderful fantasy, you're not, you know, you're not thinking about, you know, is this the right approach, you know, but you're just kind of so engaged, so involved in this process of being with your breath and staying with it and bringing more of yourself into it, kind of enveloping it or being present, sensing it. That um, you know, just you lose interest of everything else, and nothing else becomes important. So absorption. Now, luckily, this this absorption can happen on its own, simply by by slowly, steadily, staying concentrated, staying with the breath, staying present, and all the other things begin to fall away, get relaxed. All the tension, the pressure, the agitation of the mind stuff eventually falls away, relaxes, and and the mind gets stronger and stronger in its own. And then with time, you get absorbed. But I think the process can be helped a little bit along. If you get more interested, more understand, that's, the, that's what the process involves. The process does not involve thinking about what to have for dinner today. That's not being absorbed. You're looking for how to get yourself unified, collected around this one simple activity of being, medit- being here and meditating. Now, if you try too hard, that doesn't work either, right? So you can't try too hard. It's great. I love meditation because if you do it, you can't do it. If you do try to do it really well, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> and so if you, you think, well, this is like, you know, you know, I, you know, other things I've done where I just really applied myself and did, you know, and just became the head of my class and excelled and got an A. And, you know, you can't apply yourself to excel in the same way in meditation. It's almost like you have to do it a little bit, you know, you have to kind of, I don't know what to say exactly, but you can't, you can't be out there to be, you can't, you can't be too, you can't be eager to try to do a good job. Now, you can't try to do a bad job either. You have to be absorbed and engaged, but you know, you don't, don't get too, you know, you know, Don't, don't try to don't don't try to be the best meditator. You know the story of um, this young man comes to the monastery. He's wealthy, young, privileged guy, very successful, very intelligent. 
used to kind of succeeding in life, decides to become a monk and get enlightened and comes to the abbot and says, if I stay here and, um, and uh, you know, and practice here in this monastery, how long will it take before I get enlightened? Until I get enlightened. And the abbot said, oh, about 10 years probably. And the guy said, oh, but you know, I'm capable, I'm smart. Uh, if I really apply myself, really diligent, and apply myself really hard, how long will it take then? Oh, in that case, 20 years. <laughs> so I think another way of saying what I'm trying to say is that uh, the whole process is supported and helped by being relaxed, being at ease. And so remember what they started the day by saying that there are two things. There's what's happening and your relationship to it. And your relationship is really important. And you want to have a relationship that where you're at ease, you're relaxed. You, hopefully you'll get absorbed, but not because you're straining or pushing, but because you're just relaxed and at ease. And there are plenty of people who say that the way to get, to, and get deeply concentrated meditation is not by trying, but by letting go. Just letting go. Let go, let go, let go. Let go into the breath. Let go and just be present. That's a lot has to do with, it's a lot has, a lot has, has a lot to do with not doing rather than doing. So, um, the first four stages, getting familiar with the breath, becoming uh, aware of your body as much as you can as you stay with the breath, and then relaxing the bodily formation are really big stages, really big steps. They can take you know, a long time. And even if you've gone through it before, it's something to be going through over and over again. I still go through the similar things with myself all the, all the time. And then when that goes along far enough, then at some point you might experience, start experiencing, you get really absorbed, very connected, very concentrated, very engaged in the process. And then at some point there might be some feelings of relief, of delight, of satisfaction, of happiness, that you're finally arrived, you're here. You're not being distracted anymore. And then, then you're really here, not distracted anymore, and then you can enter even more fully into that, uh, what you're concentrating on. Then you can start feeling the joy that comes from concentration itself. And when you start feeling some of these feelings of relief, of delight, of joy, of satisfaction, of well-being, you know, different people experience it differently, so it doesn't have to be one particular way. Then um, now you know that it's, it's a, Buddhism considers it a part of the path. And you don't want to ignore it. You want to somehow acknowledge it because the acknowledgement of something healthy lets it grow. And you want to make space for it. And I find, I don't know if it works for you, but it works for me, to, uh, to kind of imagine or make, have a sense of allowance, to make space, permission in my body for this joy and this happiness to kind of bubble up and kind of move through me. And that sense of allowance, this relaxing, opening up to the possibility that it can come. Um, almost makes space for it to flow in and it can get stronger for me. So, um, so knowing that joy can be a supportive part of the process um, makes space for it and allow it to grow. You don't have to be afraid of joy. It's going to be a wonderful thing, very supportive of the practice. In and of itself, eventually you'll get tired of it, which is good. But until you get tired of it, go with it. Don't worry about it. And then, when, and then at some point, you'll be ready to move into the next, uh, to, uh, next you know, to what's next after that. And, um, and I guess that will have to wait for next week, next month, when we uh, will talk, next time, we'll talk about um, uh, step six, probably six, six, seven, and eight, so to finish the second tetrad.
And um, so uh, for this uh, coming month, um, you know, I would encourage you to keep going through the first four steps of the first tetrad, the first four stages, and just make it your own. Um, so don't, don't so much take it as a technique that you've learned from Gill or from the books or something, but really kind of make it your own. Kind of take the idea and see how you can work it into your own way of doing it, where, you, uh, where you're becoming familiar, you're learning this kind of non-reactive, non-evaluative, just kind of knowing of the breath. It's simplicity there. It's very, very powerful, just that. And you're developing greater mindfulness of the body. And that you can do in daily life as well. Because you really get into your body. Explore your body, feel your body, discover your body. And then, um, and then uh, also do whatever you can to start to, uh, softening, calming, relaxing the bodily formation um, without losing good energy. You know, don't, don't put yourself to sleep. And that also can be something it's useful to do in daily life. As you go about your daily life, look, at, look for ways. It can be very small ways that you can uh, soften, relax, tranquilize your body. It could be just very simple how you sit in the car. When you sit down and just drive your car, if you take you know, three seconds to look at, <laughs> to feel your body as you're sitting there, you might discover there's a little more relaxing way to sit. Maybe you can kind of release the grip of the, your hands on the, ha- on, the, on the steering wheel just a little bit, just because you're kind of, you know, your knuckles are going white or something. And I know sometimes when I drive, there's a kind of energetic feeling of kind of when I'm in a hurry or something, of kind of leaning forward, I tighten up in the front part of my body. So in three seconds, notice that. Two seconds, you know, look at that. And to, so look for opportunities and make it a regular habit to check into your body to see where the tension is and how it you can soften. Check in and soften. It might be the most obvious, easy things you can soften first or the simple things you can soften first and that will kind of spread and grow from that. And eventually, maybe you can soften more and more things, more difficult things. And then, you might be on the lookout for joy. Or at least a sense of relief. And if it comes, if it's there, or if you do a half smile and it comes or something, then uh, begin exploring what that's like. Just get, just kind of, again, a sense of being explore, discover, what's this like? Here it is. Don't be in a hurry to make it into something else, but you kind of get to know it, become familiar with that. Maybe it's very subtle at first. And then, so then as you get more familiar with it, maybe there's ways of somehow strengthening it, making it stronger. Uh, maybe by getting more concentrated even on the breath, kind of entering into the breath even more fully uh, so that joy and happiness or concentration can uh, occur as well. So, is that okay? okay to spend a month with joy? And um, anything else we should talk about? Anything? Any questions, concerns at this point? Yes. Uh, just a refresher um, point. Uh, the, all the readings that you did on the jhanas, um, uh, describing them. Uh, the, the readings? The readings that you did. Uh, yeah. Are they from Majima Nikaya 118? No, there's some two different ones. The, um, <clears throat> the uh, 16 stages are in one, 118, and that's on our website, my translation of it. And the other one is from 119, which one day will be on our website, but I haven't quite finished the little corrections. But, you know, it's found elsewhere, the translation. It's, this, is one, this 119 is called Mindfulness Directed to the Body. 
the discourse on mindfulness directed to the body. It's a wonderful little discourse. And there, there as, as in other places, it goes through a description of these four jhanas with the similes. Thank you. So, um, yes? about the relationship of absorption to liberation. Um, oh, sorry. Curious about the relationship of absorption uh, to liberation. And, um, you know, I guess my a little bit of confusion is uh, are you saying that the kind of the end point of Buddhist meditation is absorption and there's different ways of, of getting there or there's kind of a, there's one path that goes through absorption or kind of a very refined levels of absorption. Yeah, there, 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 yeah there's different ways of answering your question. It's a good question. But um, generally, concentration practice, absorption practice is considered the vehicle it means a way towards liberation, but absorption itself is not liberation. And so here we're only on stage five, you know. So we're going to have a lot more stages to go through, and then the stages, later stages, the last four stages become much more vipassana stages. And um, but the function of concentration is uh, uh, maybe twofold. There's many functions, but I'll mention two primary ones now. One is that, um, as you see, in order to get concentrated you have to have relaxed, let go of, released a lot of the ordinary preoccupations of the mind, at least temporarily. So there's already some degree of release of letting go that happens. And the final liberation is a, is a much more dramatic letting go, release. But it's a lot easier to do that if you've kind of let go of all the, you know, you know, a, a lot of it already, you know. So if you, um, I don't know why this comes up as an analogy, it's maybe kind of silly, but if you, um, um, you know, if you want to pull a tent out of the ground and it's staked down, you take you take some of the stakes out first, one at one at a time, until there's finally only one stake left. Then you can pull the whole tent up. It's easy. But if you try pulling the tent up and all the stakes are there, you know, it's just it's just too hard, right? And so uh, a lot of the stakes are pretty easy to get out, at least temporarily. So thinking about what you're having for dinner is, you know. You know, it's, you can get people can get pretty interested in that, and it's hard to let go. You, mind keeps going there, but it's, it's a lot easier than you know taking out the stake of the ego mm-hmm. or self-identity. So concentration, there's a lot of purification, a lot of releasing that happens in order to get concentrated. So you've done a lot of the initial work that sets a stage to make it easier to do some of the deeper letting go that has to happen. The other thing is that concentration um, stabilizes the mind, so that, and clar- clarifies the mind. <coughs> so that it can see more deeply. There's a stillness there. You can see more deeply into the mind. You can see below the surface uh, chatter of the mind. You can see more accurately, more perceptively. It's like having a tripod, so you can see more clearly because you're holding the, the telescope still. 
So the, just the concentration is like having a tripod in your mind. It's really stable and still, and so you can see it deeper. And in order to uh, go to the deeper levels of, of liberation, there has to be an um, uh, ability to see much more deeply than we can with uh, you know, the ordinary mind, which is, tends to be kind of moving around a lot. So, um, tomorrow we have a one day sitting here that, um, not coincidentally, <laughs> but intentionally is on the breath. Kind of every couple of years or something, I do a day long on breathing. So it'll be in some ways simpler than what we did today. Some of it will be repeating from last, what we did last month. But it, I did it intentionally, partly as you're reinforcing this class. So I don't know if some of you have the interest or the time to come tomorrow, but there will be another focus on the breath tomorrow. And um, from I think it's not 9 to 4.30. And also, um, it's really helpful, uh, really appreciated, it's, 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 uh, it's uh, beneficial for many people, if uh, after a day longs like this, that we tidy up the building again, so that the people who come to use it next will find it mindfully taken care of. So if some of you are able to stay behind, it doesn't take a lot, maybe seven or so people, it takes about 10 minutes uh, to clean bathrooms and sweep the floor and tidy up the kitchen and empty the trash and things like that. It's very much appreciated. And who's managing today? Yeah. So Carol. So you can talk to Carol and she kind of knows where the supplies are and things. And, and um, So um, many thanks for today.